Hello, my podcast family. Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. Today, we're on the ninth or in the ninth Psalms, and I will be reading, of course, from the New International Version. And it reads I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause, setting enthroned at the right, as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever, and he has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. God sees how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death that I may declare your praises in the gates of the daughter Zion, and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked go down to the realm of death, all the nations that forget God. But God will never forget the needy, and the hope of the afflicted will never perish. Arise, Lord, do not let mortals triumph. Triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know they are only mortal. <laughs> it's a lot. I don't know what we're going to do when we get to the Psalms that have like 40-something verses. Probably have to break those into two episodes. Um, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So... What category do we think this one falls under? To me, it's a very tricky psalm when I read it because I see it falling into two categories. However, in my Bible, the commentary states that this psalm was written by David, <coughs> excuse me, so it's David, but and given to the choir director to be sung with Laban. I looked it up online, the pronunciation, Muthlaban, which translates from the Hebrew to mean either the death of Laban or some Bibles say the death of a son. Wow. So this psalm is categorized as being a psalm of lament. However, it's perplexing to me because I can see part of the lament, but going back to my original statement, I see two, right? Verses 1 through 12, 
those are those are verses of thanksgiving of what God has done. Notice that David speaks to how God has not allowed his enemies to overtake him. Verse 3 states his enemies have turned back and that God has avenged David and supported his call. He then calls. He then goes on to to say, you know, sing praises or to or to praise God for declaring, you know, and declaring that God's reign is forever. And then finally he wants us to sing praises to the Lord who he has um, not allowed the enemies to overtake him, but that God has taken care of his people. And so to me, this is just kind of perplexing in some aspects. All of the adoration and the praise and the glory that is given in verses 1 through 12. And then we get to verses 13 through 20. And that's where the lamenting comes in. Verse 3 directly um, contradicts what he states in verses six through I mean three through six right or how could that be right because the bible doesn't contradict itself right haven't you been taught that but I think in order for us to understand the difference I guess in what we read in the first 12 verses and then the latter what is it seven I think we should examine it from a lens of how we pray or how we've been taught to pray. So first, in our prayer life, right, we're taught to acknowledge God, to come to him with thanksgiving. Well, isn't that what verses 1 through 12 do? They give him the honor and the glory that he deserves just on the fact that he's being God. Keeping this in mind, when we look at those verses 1 through 12, they're acknowledge, acknowledging who God is and also what he's already done in David's life. And you know, when you pray, you talk about, I, I thank you, God, because you, you woke me up this morning. You, you know, you started me on my day. You blessed me with this and this and that, right? We're, we're going to God and we thank and we are thanking him for being God, but also thanking him for what he has already done for us right secondly we come to the confession and the asking of forgiveness which for this particular psalm isn't applicable because there's none of that there and I'm not saying that there need to be there needs to be third is normally the petition right we ask God for what we need and that's what I believe is occurring in verses 13 through 18 David has a lot of enemies, remember? So I think it's understandable that although he thanked God at the first part of the psalm for upholding him in one area, he still needs deliverance in other areas because there are other enemies who are rising up against him. So there really is no contradiction. And you think about it. When we go to God and we pray, as we have thanked him for what he has done, our petitions are for something else, but it's still asking God to deliver us, right? Okay, God, you delivered me from that. Now I need you to deliver me from this. I need you. You helped me with this. Now I need you to help me with that. So it isn't a contradiction. Verses 15 um, through 17, for me, I think David is um, speaking those things that are not as though they are. He's predicting the result of God answering his prayer. It's an act of faith. Listen again, right? Because he's calling on God 
to help him because his enemies are persecuting him. And then verses 15 through 17 say, the nations have fallen in the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord, the Lord is known for his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of his hands. The wicked go down in the realm of the dead and the nations that forget God. So it's almost like he's giving the prediction, this is what's gonna happen because I know my God has heard me, right? It's an act of faith. Fourth, in our prayer walk, right, or, or the way we pray, we close with thanksgiving, you know, in the mighty name of Jesus. But of course, when David wrote this, Jesus hadn't come yet. But notice David doesn't close with any type of thanksgiving. Our previous um, Psalm, Psalm 8, we had that inclusion, right? We don't have anything like that here. There is no um, reminder of who the Lord is and and, and and the gratitude of being able to speak to him. No, instead, David just ends with, don't allow my enemies to succeed. All right, Jesus, or, you know, all right, Lord. David doesn't follow the exact order in which most of us pray in some aspects. And I'm not saying that he was supposed to. It's just looking at it from that lens to help me understand kind of what was going on in this psalm because it seemed to be disconnecting in a sense and so that's why I think by doing it and looking at it this way it brings a little more clarity to this psalm but I still find it a little bit perplexing in a sense because I really do think it it can't be solely categorized as lament for the reasons that we've just gone through but you know no one asked me so there you go. <laughs> what I would impress upon you in reading this this psalm is to look at it from the lens of kind of, you know, praying to the Lord, having that conversation with him. There is a reason that we all have been taught an order, and I'm using air quotes, in which we are to pray, how we are to approach the throne of God. This psalm closes abruptly it, it's almost like a charge to God. For us, let us not use this David technique <laughs> in approaching God, at least in the end. Instead, I, I'm asking you to, you know, after we petition God and we cry out to God to let us, um, to not forget us, let us always remember that he is God. Always, regardless of what it is that we're going through. The challenge in caregiving is when we get frustrated, right? We can end our conversations this way, being real abrupt. I just need you to do this, Jesus. I just, you know, we can end it that way. And God being good and merciful and kind will allow us to at times. But as we mature, as you mature in his word, as you grow in his faith, as in, in, in faith, as I grow in faith, let's not do that. Let us remember who God is. No matter what is going on in our lives, he is still God. It is a privilege to come to him and pray. It is a privilege to be able to take our petitions to him, right? And we always need to come to him with the spirit of humility and gratitude and patience and kindness and all of those fruit of the spirit that he deposits in us. 
we are to come with him with that. And so once again, this psalm is very real because it exposes just how human David was and how human we are. But let's take, let's use this as what not to do in in the ending of the conversation with the Lord. We don't get the last word. God has the last word. So once again, as we mature in his word, as we grow in our faith, we learn to appreciate him. And therefore, our closing conversations with our creator are never going to be a challenge or a charge to him. But we are going to end with yes and amen. Let's pray. Holy God, magnificent Savior, Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords. We do thank you for being a God who allows us to come to you in our frailty, in our humanity, which means to say in our faults and in our sins, that you put the bridge before us in your son, Jesus Christ, so that we could come before you. Let us not take this act of prayer for granted as we often do but let us be mindful of the privilege that we have in coming and laying out our cares to you that you actually care about the things that bring us sadness that you actually care about the things that upset us We ask, Father, that you give us your heart and your compassion so that we can look upon our communities and our nations and our countries and see people that you love and ask you what we can do to surrender ourselves to you so that we can make where we are a better place, where we are um, that is that that where you place us, Lord, people can see you in us. We thank you for being a God who loves us in spite of ourselves. We thank you for being a God who has worked out all the details of our lives. We thank you for being a God who wipes away our tears. And we thank you for being a God that in the midst of the chaos that we're going through, caregiving and parenting and and marriages and our various um, professions, that you're still in control and that you beckon us to come to you. Forgive us for taking you for granted. Forgive us for not always loving our neighbor as ourselves. Forgive us, Father, for not really putting you first because only when we put you first and we love you with all of our heart and soul can we truly love our neighbor as ourselves. It all hinges on you, Lord, and so we come asking for forgiveness in not doing that. Cleanse our hearts this day. Search our hearts and remove all iniquity that is within us. And then, Father, we come to the petition. And you know each and every person's petition who is listening to this podcast, from the caregivers to the parents to the husbands to the wives to the children. But collectively, we come asking you to draw us closer to you. We come asking you to use our lives as a great testimony to your goodness and your glory. We come asking you to humble our hearts before you so that our lives can be that example 
we ask you to help us to walk in walk in love joy peace patience kindness humility gentleness faithfulness and self-control that's what we petition to you today that the body of believers those of us who believe in the name of Jesus Christ that our lives demonstrated that we live the gospel of Jesus which is love this is what we pray as we come before you our mighty king acknowledging that it is your will that we want to be done in our lives and so if we have prayed for anything that isn't in your will we don't want it we thank you and we honor you in the precious name of our savior savior jesus the christ amen all righty my fellow caregivers out there you go and you minister the act of caregiving in the name of jesus <laughs>